Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. Man, you know, I'm so excited about today's episode. And the reason why is because we're going to be talking about operating in the prophetic. It is probably one of the most important things and topics I think that is so relevant to today and all the things that we do as missionaries because really there's just so much to it and I don't I'm not going to get into it in this intro but I want you to listen in because it is really important that we understand what it means to operate in the prophetic I know that we as far flung always try to keep our hearts and ears open to the leading of the Holy Spirit because there has been moments that we could have potentially missed if we wouldn't have been paying attention and we wouldn't have said, God, here we are. Use our hearts, use our minds, use our mouths, use us to accomplish what you want to do on the earth in this moment right now. So I'm not going to keep talking. I'm just going to let you hear what Brian, Kyle, and Pastor Gary have to say because it is really good stuff. As a matter of fact, it is so good that we had to split it into two episodes because they went on talking about operating in the prophetic for two hours. And at one point, somebody said, if we don't stop, we'll literally be here all day. So anyway, listen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And yeah, I'll catch you at the end. Have you seen the slapping competitions where they oh my goodness, guys go back yes. and forth oh my and gosh. they'll knock each other out? Yeah. I wouldn't want to be in a slapping competition. No, no Gary's hurts. got the strength and he also has physics. Something about getting slapped is worse than getting hit like straight on with overhand right. Seriously. It hurts. You'd rather be slapped. You'd rather, I'd rather be, be hit and punched. Would you rather be punched or slapped? I'd rather be punched. And then they just sit and grab this table and look at each other. Like, yeah. at least yeah, in like, boxing, wasn't nothing. he just said he'd rather be hit with a right cross than <laughs> slapped. At least in boxing, I'm trying to keep our podcast going, Corellis. Can you knock it off? Start? We're yeah. started. This is the banter. This is us having like. So we just had some like cancel for our service this Saturday. <laughs> so you're going to have to play keys. <laughs> Hi, everybody. At least um, in boxing, you're trying to dodge. If they hit you, it's because. Yeah, you're just waiting. Yeah. You're just looking at them. That's worse. Definitely. If I get slapped, it it needs to be my wife and I need to deserve it. Otherwise, like I'm, it's bad. Like I'm not okay with it. Yeah, I had a guy one time tell me he he liked getting knocked out because it made him feel euphoric, like a high. I was like, this cat's got some screws loose for sure. <laughs> his elevator doesn't go to every floor. His brick, he's one shy of a load. Have uh, you ever slapped another man? No. <laughs> Have you? Yes. They only what? fight. Quote, oh, unquote, I gotta hear this. The <laughs> only fight that I have ever been in, technically. Okay. I was 13. And this guy just would not stop getting in my face, getting in my face, getting in my face. 
Can you give me and the I, setting? Like, were you at school? We were at were you, church in the nursery. We were like 13, <laughs> hanging out. It was We were having a conference. And we were just hanging out. That's the only place we could hang out because all the rooms were being used. We were getting in an argument, and he just was provoking me, getting in my face. And I didn't even know how to throw a punch. And I just slapped him. <laughs> I just slapped him across the face. He didn't deserve a punch. I was he on got the floor slap. so quick. He just shoved me and was like, and this this guy had some street cred. Like I was oh, okay. dumb. I was dumb for doing that. And he was like, come on. And I was like, nope. 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 I made a mistake. I'm going to, I'm going to redirect this in another back. way. And uh, that was the closest yeah. I've come to a fight. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you, if you play chess and you haven't officially done your move until you take your finger off. Yeah. It's like, you, we said so we want to apply that to life. Like, yeah, I, uh, I slapped you, but I, that wasn't my official I move. Was, I don't metaphor. remember getting yeah. on the floor <laughs> and I just realized I am put in a scenario that I am not equipped for. Yeah, this is, that wasn't official. That wasn't an official slap. I'm undoing I kind of thought me slapping you would end this, <laughs> but it started something new. That was not fair no, for. Wait a minute, I'm under. In the ner- any fight that happens in the church nursery, I want to know about it. <laughs> right, right. Like if somebody's listening and you've got a fight story that happened in a church nursery. Like you know when he pushed me, like a couple animal crackers flew around, some blocks. Yeah. So my my slap the guy story um, happened on a choir bus. Oh, I got to hear this. Which is like maybe, maybe as bad as a church nursery. Um, I was asleep on the bus. Is this camp score? Yes. Okay. I'm asleep oh on the bus. Goodness, and one of the guys good. woke me up and said, would you slap Adam Baird? <laughs> I was like, and Adam's looking at me like, do it. And yeah, I was like, I'm not going to slap you, man, because I thought I'll get in trouble. Like, I'm going to get in trouble. And they were like, no, no, no. We want you to backhand. Wait a second. Adam Baird. I have this on video. No. I have this on video. I know where it's at. Okay. I can cue this. So I, oh, so this so happened far. 17 years ago, but I have this. And oh we never talked goodness. about it. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So I think, I think they even paid me $5. And paid it, you? Yes. To, to slap, slap him. And he got nothing? And he got nothing. And I don't know if he, it was a dare or they like, um, like bet something or somebody told him, I bet you won't let Brian slap you. But I was like not involved. Yeah. And they just woke me up. And I was like, uh, <laughs> what is it? At first, I was like, nah, because then I thought somebody's going to slap me back. Like, will you slap Adam if we let Adam slap you? And I was like, no. Because mm. if he slaps me, even if I slapped him first, I'm going to be mad. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is not. And so, no, I slapped him and then we walked off the bus like really quick after that and went into service. And he had a big red face. Oh Welcome to the Far Flung Tinking Podcast. <laughs> and uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the prophetic. Is that this one? Right? Yeah. Today yeah. we're going to talk about the uh, prophetic on the mission field, operating in that. Um, we have uh, myself, this is Kyle speaking. Beside me is Gary Keelan. Gary the Rhino here. Brian Lindsay. Gary, you've been traveling with Farflung since like when? 2017 was since his two, first trip. 2017, first trip. And you've known Kyle before that, though. Right. Like, right. Just a couple know, years. A couple years yeah. before. Okay. I've known Gary um, just probably longer than that, I but because he preached at my dad's church and my uncle's church. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked about this preacher that came in and, and broke um, Sprite cans. Were like you busted. there for this or no? No, I, I don't just, think I was like there. It's like stuff of legend. Um, I actually think I came in, I came in town meal after. Conversation. And like somebody was cleaning up the Sprite that was on the floor because <laughs> he busted a Sprite can. But my dad loved it. He didn't care. He was like, yeah, it was great. You know, he broke baseball bats. And, and uh, yeah, and then... There's also like I think an evangelist that you were friends with. Uh, I don't know if he reminds oh, me of you or you remind me of him. Joe Sneed. Joe Sneed. Yes. Right. Were y'all friends? Because y'all friend, have a yeah. similar like um, rhythm in yeah. in preaching and quoting scriptures. Yeah, I was actually saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and called into ministry and in a period of five weeks in one of his revivals. Is that right? Yeah. Now, do you know Joe? Uh, we've got a weird backstory with this. Okay. I've told you this. Have this I told you this story? story. So mm-hmm. Joe has been evangelist for many, many, many years. Yeah. When he first started out, I think he probably was like 20 years old or something. He, 16. It, okay. So yeah, may, yeah. It, 16. at some point in his very early career in evangelism, he came to our church. Okay. And so, and then Gary and them become these best friends and then I end up many, many years later moving across the street to Gary. And I know he goes to the church. We start talking to each other, talk about ministry, talking about far flung a little bit. Somehow he talks about, I'm like, you know, we talk about him traveling on the road with evangelists. And he starts talking about um, just stories from the road. And he said, I've traveled this evangelist. He told me, he, you know, he goes, this is back in the day when you, when you're evangelist, you stay at the pastor's house. He's like, and these pastors just had a baby and they had a five-year-old and uh, they decided to go out for the night and they asked him to babysit and he didn't know how to change a diaper. And the baby, <laughs> the baby pooped his pants and uh, he didn't want to change the diaper. So he locked the baby in the, in the bedroom until the parents came home. And I'm looking at him like, what in the world? I've heard this story my whole life. It was me. You were the baby. And I was, he's like, what? I said, are you talking about Joe Sneed? He's like, oh my gosh, it was you. And I've heard the story my whole life from my parents. And when Joe would come, they tell the story. And he's told him that story. And then all of a sudden I meet Gary and I'm like, I'm the baby in your story. Joe said that he, when he was a baby, climbed out the window and he had to go outside and retrieve Kyle. That's like a 90s family <laughs> movie. He, and he had to go out there and retrieve him and bring him back into the house. Okay, so I think this is like a really good segue. <laughs> Talking about Joe specifically, because the revivals I remember with Joe were powerfully like demonstrations of, of the Holy oh, spirit, yeah. mm-hmm. like altar services, manifestations of the Holy spirit, um, spiritual gifts and operations. And now he was a word preacher. I mean, this guy just like Gary yeah. and he pouring Cut a lot of scripture in that. And so like talking today about like missions and the prophetic and like the supernatural, I, I wanted to kick this question off. When you hear like the term prophetic, like like prophetic ministry, that was a prophetic word. Um, like, what does that mean in your mind? No right or wrong answer. And then today we can disagree on some things, yeah. and and that's okay. We're comfortable with that because um, I think a little bit it's been it's become a catch all phrase. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it looks all looks so different. And I'm not practice. even saying that's wrong. Yeah. Um, but I was in the coffee shop yesterday, some kids that go to a ministry school, I asked them, oh, so why did you guys go to the school? And they said, we want the prophetic of the school. Hmm. Uh, to which I was like, well, 
what do you mean by that? Um, and then they just said it again. <laughs> so I was like, tomorrow I'm going to ask Gary and Kyle. Prophetic, like it was a prophetic word or prophetic ministry. What's What does that mean in your mind? Right or wrong? Scripture, like you quote it, don't quote it. What does that mean? I think growing up, it was always in a, in a church setting, always, always a church setting. And you're in the altar and they tell you something that you're going through or something that you're going to walk into. Um, and now in practice, I'm on, I, I have found that the prophetic is very much the Lord guiding us into these situations that are maybe not even most of the time prophetic moments in my life are not in an altar and he does work in the altar still, but yeah. I find many more uh, prophetic moments just happening as the Lord just nudges very, very subtly nudges these pieces together. Yeah. Um, and both are true. Yeah. Well, what about you, Gary? How, how would you? Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about what uh, Peter said, you know, he had this spectacular experience with Jesus. You know, he, um, Peter, James, and John went to the Mount of Transfiguration you probably know the story well. He went to the top of the mountain, and there was Moses and Elijah representing, you know, the law and the prophets. And they wanted to build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. And they found out that they disappeared in Christ. In other words, um, basically the message there was the whole Bible is a revelation of who Christ is and what he did, and they disappeared in him. But then the unique thing is Peter uh, come back off of the mountain and later on you read in the scripture where he said, we got a more sure word of prophecy. Basically he's saying I had an encounter and an experience with God in his presence and in his glory. I mean, Jesus was being transfigured on a mountain. I mean, second, probably only to, you know, when he was being baptized in the Jordan river. So he's saying, look, compared to the experiences you've had and I've had, you know, I think you would say it can't compare. But then he said, we got a more sure word of prophecy, basically saying, I am a, I am lifting the word of God up as a more sure word of prophecy. And I think that's where you get in this discussion about rhema word versus logos, you know. Right. Yeah, because so, because we have scripture right. now. Like we have the embodiment of the word of God in scriptural form. And at least the guy's that are connected to far flung, the girls, the ministers, the preachers that are really connected to our family. I don't think anybody would ever devalue scripture right. as being like infallible, authoritative, those things. Um, but then at, at the same time, there's some people that, that I don't want to say so value. There's some people that devalue prophecy. Mm hmm. As if there's no place for that now because we have scripture. Yes, there's balance to the whole. Right? And they say, they say, oh, yeah. this. And so, like, when I think, when I hear you talking about Peter, say, oh, we have a more sure word. Now, he wasn't throwing the Torah out. Right. Which was their written word. That's what he's they not had. throwing what he was the Old about, Testament yeah. out, but he's saying, now we have a more sure word, which for him, that was, that was a prophetic moment, spontaneous, inspired by God, supernatural. Right. And it wasn't doing away with with the old. Right. It, it was complementary. Right. Right. Um, I grew up Pentecostal church. 
much like Kyle. Um, and there were moments where I saw in altars or in ministry things that were foolishness. It was not God. Right. It was theatrics. Because I saw that, I think there was a season in my life where I overcorrected. Came jaded and swung the other way too. Yeah, too far. it wasn't even that I that I stopped believing it was real. It I just, just wasn't real in those people. <laughs> I just so didn't want what was that mm-hmm. that I abandoned a little bit. You threw it all out. Got you. Just kind of threw baby out with the bathwater. Well, yeah, yeah, so kind of did. Yeah. Threw the baby out with the bathwater. Was always open, but not necessarily pursuing. But as we, me coming in, knowing that we're going to talk about like missions, um, spirit filled living, the prophetic ministry, I think, what is it? Like I, I wrote a few scriptures down and, and Gary, I'll, I'll say them and you quote them. <laughs> he's, the, he's the walking Bible. Like First Thessalonians 5. Oh, yeah. Says like, do not despise. Prophesying. And that's pretty clear. Don't despise this. Um. So have you seen in your lives, in your ministry, mission field or not, some of that, that is like, this is just theatrics. Uh, When you were sitting there talking about growing up, you know, we end up, we have different evangelists come to our church. We end up having a a prophet come Mm -hmm. that uh, requested that his study time be in the pastor's office. And we ended up finding out that he was going through the directory. And I mean, it was really jacked up. And then he would, all out. Oh, I feel like somebody in Is this, there a such this and type so of ministry in, that lives on such and so street. Yeah. yeah. And you know, he, and he was very deliberate and, and it was just manipulation, complete manipulation. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which causes so much damage because it's yes. a place of trust. Right. You know, you're trusting that you're hearing from the spirit. And so, yeah, you're gonna, you know, even, even in us, there's a, there's an element of flesh and it took me a while to really understand. I'm like, wait, isn't this the voice of God that's being spoken right now? But yeah, there's it's coming through a vessel that is flesh. And so you hope that 100% of what is being said and what is being done is just the voice of God, but it's coming through flesh. And so it's like, a, you know, our our filter. And we, we want to make sure that it's as, as less of us as possible, but there's room for error. There's what we're, we're walking in faith. We're hoping we're believing God saying this, but there is an element of imperfection. I think mm-hmm. as right. it comes through a fleshly vessel and that we, and we hope that we, that we steward it and that we are in tune to what God is saying and that we can give the most pure message as it's coming through us. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And that's, a, that's a burden or that's a, it, it's something I take very serious when um, I believe that I have a word or I believe that the Lord's speaking through me, I, I don't, I don't want to get it wrong and I don't operate in fear, but I also like take that very seriously. If I'm saying something that yeah. I believe the Lord is saying. Yeah. Okay. Old Testament. We have these clear defined roles, occupations. Mm-hmm. If a priest in your mind, the priest does what old Testament takes care of the, Tabernacle sacrifice sacrifices make sure that takes place. The priest right is way. like mediator, God and man. Mm-hmm. You're forgiven because of the role of this priest, right? King, prophet, priest, and king. My microphone's like 
sinking down. King does what? Rules. Rules. Governs, right? And then also, at times it's like this handpiece of God, right? God uses the kings to to, to judge other, other nations in war. It's like that's the action figure. It's like the the Iron Man of of God, right? Then the prophet is. You come to the king and say, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. The ear. Yeah. Elijah said, you know, told Ahab there's going to be a famine that's going to last three and a half years and you're the cause of it. And dropped that bomb on him and he wrestled with it for three and a half years. Yeah. Ahab did. And I love that thing about story it. too. Yeah. That's a that's a great example of like Old Testament role of prophet. Because here's a guy, Elijah, who's just a man. Right. Who's coming into like this this nation of Israel, which was the northern nation mm-hmm. at the time, they're divided. They're worshiping God, but also worshiping Baal. Yes. Which is the God of storms. Incidentally. Yeah. And then he says, no more storms, no it. more rains. God says, Baal, you're paralyzed. <laughs> you're muted. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had a guy say it like this. Like it, hate it, agree, disagree. Tell me what you think. That the prophet is like the divine commentator. Like the ESPN analyst. That's a good way to put it. Okay. He's not on the field necessarily, but he's giving like, this is the play by play. This is God's interpretation of your actions, how he feels. That's good. Agree? Disagree? You see that in scripture? Yeah. Totally. Um, So a prophet today, same role, divine commentator. Would you say this is how God feels? Is a prophet saying how God feels? Or are we seeing a gift of prophecy now after Jesus, New Testament, that is that is different? Same, different? Hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? I was leaning on you. Don't lean on me. Well, you know, I've got this testimony of... Uh, <clears throat> Me walking in the flesh in one sense and then walk, finally walking in the spirit. And then yeah. the end result was, you know, two two drug dealers got saved. And, and I remember we used to, at the home church, Pentecostal church, where I was saved, we would get back there and, believe it or not, I sang in the choir back then. Uh, <laughs> that's another story altogether. But we'd get back there and practice on Sunday afternoons, and we wouldn't do really much practicing, which if you heard us sing, we probably should have been practicing. But it's more prophetic, laying hands on each other, prophesying over each other. Well, my friend was in the floor in one of these, quote, choir practices, and he stood up and he said, God just spoke to me that you and I are supposed to go across town, and I've got two friends that I went to high school with. They're drug dealing, and I'm on, I'm an auxiliary police officer, and they've got a sting set up for them. If they don't turn their life around, they're either going to die or they're going to go to jail. I said, okay, what time next week do you and I need to do this? He said, no, God says go now. I said, do you know where they're at? And I said, you're saying now and by now we're assembled in a choir about two minutes before service is supposed to start. And there's like 750 people out in the congregation. I mean, we're, we're in a revival. This thing's blowing up. The religious part of me says, let's just go next week. But the Holy spirit can, you know, inside of me prompted me. Yes, let's go do this as crazy as it seemed. Now at the time I was on, they put me on the front. I don't know why on the front row of the choir. So get a picture of this 750 people were assembled in a choir so my friend and I leave the service before it even starts, 
get in his pickup truck. There's only room for two of us. And he was a big guy. I was a big guy. So we go driving across town and it's raining, Kyle. You appreciate that. It's always raining. Every, so every we, story. We go across it. town and on the way over there, I'm rehearsing the Romans road to salvation, which I have submitted <clears throat> to memory. Mm-hmm. I have the highway of hope submitted to memory in the book of John yeah. as a way to talk to somebody about salvation. So I'm like this Pentecostal gunslinger on the way over there rehearsing in my mind, these scriptures. Well, we go knocking on this hotel, hotel door and, so I go in with guns blazing, so to speak. You know, I go to Romans 3 and 10, for as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Go to Romans 3 and 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I go to Romans 6, 23. For the wages of your sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus yeah. Christ our Lord. I go to Romans 5 and 8. God commanded his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for, uh, for us. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart, God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thinking thinking that surely to goodness, and I'm quoting this to these two drug dealers. Now get a picture of this. They're sitting there where there's cocaine stacked up. There's marijuana over here in a stack and they're parsing this stuff out and they're selling it. And that's why they were getting ready to get uh, a sting. So I go in with guns blazing and they never looked up at me and I'm sitting here saying, Lord, you know, that was your word. And, uh, why did that not have any kind of effect on them? I I thought they'd just fall down and give the heart to the Lord. Well, I go outside the hotel room and, and go down on the street and start having a conversation with the Lord. In the meantime, my friend, who happened to be a, choir, a crier, goes in crying and begging and pleading for them to give their heart to Jesus Christ. But I'm around the corner, and I'm crying for a different reason. I'm like, Lord, what just went on? I thought your word was powerful and would have an effect on them. And here's what the Holy Spirit uh, showed me. He rebuked me, first of all, and he said, you've not once said what I want to say to them. Now, I'm quoting scripture, which is Logos, which is the word of God, and God, and yeah. it's inspired, okay? And uh, so I knelt down, started crying myself, but it was more of a, a contrition, repentance. God, you know, forgive me for, for what I just did. And I said, now I'm ready to listen. What would you have me to say to them? He said, tell them Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. And I said, okay. And I happened to have that submitted to memory, incidentally. And it's, it's a scripture, Deuteronomy 30 and 19. It says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your seed may live. I walked around the corner. Harold, his crying and tears had no effect on him either. I walked around the corner and I said, the spirit of God wanted me to tell you, and I quoted that scripture to him. They hit their knees and started wailing, Mm. literally. Now I'm shocked. I'm saying, wait a minute. I mean, I quoted a scripture the same, but the difference is, I was walking in the flesh and it was logos, but the rhema word was a word that God needed. It it meant something to them because that scripture says, so that you and your seed may live. Incidentally, they had two young sons, each of them together. And so we were going to pray the quote sinner's prayer, you know, uh, right there on the spot. And for some reason they said, no, we don't want to do that. We heard y'all in revival. We want to accept Christ over there. Now get this. It's raining. We load up in this pickup truck that only had room for me and Harold. So I get in the back and it's rain. It's driving, driving rainstorm. You know, it had to be a driving rainstorm. (laughs) So we go racing across town, get a picture of this, me and my friend and two drug dealers. So we go into this service and on the way over there, I'm thinking, I know what's going on over there. People are already running, shouting. It's going to scare them off. They're not, it's not going to, it's going to scare them. So I said, we're going to go in and we're going to sit on the back row. So I go in first. And Harold's in the back, and we got these two drug dealers coming in. As soon as we walked in the door, sure enough, the church is going 
literally berserk. There's people shouting and running. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's gonna scare them to death. So I I go and in my mind I said we're gonna sit on the back row and wait on the service to end. These guys literally went past me, go first walking, then trotting, and then they literally ran to the altar and dove. I'll never forget this as long as I live. Dove in the altar, received Christ, got born again, gloriously born again. At that time, that was like throwing gasoline on a fire. The place absolutely erupted. People started coming out of their seats. I'll never forget this. Sinners that were there for the revival fell into that altar because a lot of those sinners knew these two drug dealers and saw what happened supernaturally. So that's an example of being led by the Spirit. Yes, there was Scripture, a more sure word Mm -hmm. prophecy. Holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. But the key, I think, there was it was directed by the Holy Spirit. It was a fresh word in due season for a specific situation for specific individuals. I think that's what we're talking about on the mission field. It happens in far-flung tin can a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think you hit on something. Not that it doesn't happen in an altar because there's an altar example, but, uh, you know, I think you've got several examples on the mission field of where we go, oh, yeah. you know, I say we go mumbling, stumbling, and bumbling. Mm-hmm. Do we have a plan? Well, yeah, we do have a plan. Yeah. But a lot of times on these trips, God usurps that plan. So I, yeah. I think, Brian, you may have some insight on, on that as well. Yeah, I, I On as think, many trips as you've been on. I think, uh, the, like, there's just, there's a story that comes to mind. And it's actually about a guy who, who believes the gifts of the Spirit had stopped. Okay. Like Spurgeon oh, was good. Spurgeon himself believed in the power of God's Word operated in what I would call the gift of prophecy, but was so afraid he didn't classify if we it. called it prophecy that we're elevating it above okay. scripture. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. So he would say maybe like a, an impression by the Holy spirit, but he wouldn't call it prophecy. He wouldn't ever call it that. No. So Spurgeon's he's in a service. He points to this guy in the service and he said, this man owns a shoe store. And was open last Sunday. Whoa. And made nine nine pence and made four pence profit and is gonna damn his soul to hell for four pence. Like for four dollars. Because this man obviously was not was not a believer, not just that he was open on Sundays, but like it, it was about his the condition of his so. heart. Now, I would say that was prophecy. That was not planned not researched wow right this was this was like you were talking about it was this divine inspiration by the holy spirit to speak something for the moment that that wasn't pre-planned i think it happens often in my life within the context of preaching sometimes preaching can be prophetic absolutely sometimes it's not it's not exclusively prophetic that's good um And like, if I was thinking about the people who are involved in missions and people who are involved in uh, ministry, and as we talk to people, even today, people listen and we look at the scripture says, do not despise prophecy. Mm -hmm. Um, That does not mean we accept everything. Right. You know, that does not mean we accept everything. Because I had somebody come and tell my wife, God said, you're going to have a baby. Right. God said, you're going to have a baby. We already had Memphis. And Memphis was a promised child to us because we were barren. He was promised before we ever had him. But we were even in God's word to me and Ashley with 20,000 kids at a conference and we're youth pastors. 
A girl comes up to us that has no idea and says, you're going to have a child. Didn't say children, a child. God said, stop worrying. You will have a child. Awesome. So then, man, now Memphis is six years old and somebody comes and says, you're going to have a little girl. Well, one, it didn't bear witness with us. I just think they mm-hmm. thought we were young and we have a boy, so we should have a girl. That was, it was foolishness. That wasn't the Lord. We didn't have a child. We didn't have a little girl. It didn't come through. But the scripture says, hold to what's good. Do not despise it. Test it Mm -hmm. and hold to what is good. As we talk about stories from the mission field, and we can kind of like jump into some of those. I think it's important that with Far Flung and in the mission field, we leave a margin for human error. This is good. And do not blame God for human error. Right. That's good. Mm-hmm. So then in Africa, before everybody on this recent trip, before everybody went out to do home visits, we said, listen, if you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray something specific or to share something specific, lean into that. Talk to the other leaders, but lean into that. People suddenly come back with stories of prophetic words. <laughs> Why? I think one of the reasons it happens on the mission field and maybe doesn't happen in Target is because we're not we're not welcoming it. Come on. Agree? Disagree? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. When you said we say most of the time we see the prophetic happen is when you're preaching. Well, maybe it's because when you're preaching, you've just been prayed up, studying the word of God in his presence. And all you want is God's will. Yeah. So you're preparing yourself for the prophetic as you bring the word and you're doing God's work, of course he's going to speak to you most then. Hmm. But what if we went into our trips in our daily life, prayed up in the word and just wanting God's will and to do uh, be his voice. I think you would see it a lot more Mm -hmm. in your daily life. And so, um, yeah, on our trips, we, we see a lot and there's like, a there's a nice middle ground that we walk in because you can plan a trip and you can have it to scheduled to the T we're not breaking the schedule. This is what we're doing. This is our assignment. Uh, and this is what we're going to do. And it'll be a great successful trip. And you may not have these moments where God just takes you on an adventure and got, because there was no room for it. Now, on the other end, you have to have preparation. If you want to have a prophetic uh, adventure, if you want to have a prophetic time with God in Ecuador, you have to plan a trip to Ecuador. Yeah. That's good. Right? We didn't have a prophetic trip to Ecuador today. <laughs> Why? Because we're in Chattanooga and we didn't plan a trip to Ecuador. Mm-hmm. So you have to plan and prepare and and do due diligence and also be listening to God while you plan and prepare because... I like to think that I'm an idiot that somehow God can throw clues at me. That's the way I feel. And we just he sets up these things that oh just so magically falls into place. No, he you know Jeremy's about to uh, roll out a bunch of stuff that's been happening in his life that we haven't yeah. put out there yet, but you know, he thought he was doing all these things and now he, he's like I really feel like God kind of bamboozled me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was doing this this and that because I I thought this was Bait a good idea yeah. and he was prepping me. 
Wow. And so uh, a lot of times he's in the planning and he's, and he's setting the chess pieces up. And then all of a sudden it's so obvious because all the, the prep work. And then you leave room. You leave room for something that, that is not even real. I like, I like Sean Bowles and I listen to him some and he kind of, he, he operates in the prophetic and he talks about how a lot of times the prophetic for him is like a tissue box and you have to pull out the first tissue. All you have is one tissue and you pull out the tissue box and all of a sudden you, when you pull one out, there's another one. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and so he'll say something. The Lord may give him something simple or he may, or for us, he may ask us, you just need to go out in the streets. And like, well, what do I do? Just go out in the streets. Yes. And okay. All right, fine. I'll go out in the streets. The street. You go out in the streets, you pull that tissue and you're, oh, there's another tissue. Yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah. go to that tienda. Oh, somebody's sick. Oh, and then you just keep pulling tissue boxes that's out. That's good. Tissues out. And um, that's kind of how it uh, rolls out in most of our stories. It's just one step at a time. Uh, the Lord operating very, I mean, I don't know of many situations where God's like, we're sitting in the at Pandavita and he's like, Go to the streets, go down this street, go to this tienda. There's a woman that's sick. There's with us. And he could do that. Maybe I'm not on that level. Right. And so he's like, all right, we got look, we got to slow walk him. Okay. <laughs> Just get him out the gate. Just get him. And then, you know, um, good. but you, you, you've got to take steps. Um, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. You know, sometimes I feel like I just go mumbling, stumbling, bumbling, you know, I'm <laughs> thinking about when we were in the Amazon and you all were recording uh, the album actually on that beach and there was a lot of things going on in parallel, you know, God, sometimes I think we view how he works in a linear way, but God is omniscient, omnipresent and omnipotent. And he can work in many people doing different things at all at the exact same time with no Mm -hmm. problem at all. So I'm sitting there and I'm worshiping and I get a peck on the shoulder and it's, um, a translator that uh, on the trip there pecking me on the shoulder and said, this chief here up on the hill who wasn't even part of what we were doing, uh, his wife was choking on a fishbone. And I, for my knee-jerk reaction, well, where's, where's um, you know, we had a couple of doctors on the mm-hmm. trip, you know, and I'm like, yeah. uh, you know. Jordan. Chris. Where's Jordan? You know, maybe we need to get Jordan. And. So he says, we got doctors on the trip. And and guy, this is kind of weird. He said, no. And he pointed at me, and he don't know me. He said, you're to do this. You're to go. And he said God told him that I was supposed to go up there and pray for him. I'm like, oh, man, it's, it's getting crazy. So here we go off in the dark, up this trail, up on top of the hill. You all are down there recording. And, uh, you know, so I go up there, and sure enough, his wife was bent over and you know, it's kind of gross. There was stuff on the ground. She was choking, trying, and she was what I would call in the South turning blue from lack of oxygen. And and I'm like, oh man, where where are the doctors? You know, I need the doctors here. And uh, so the Holy Spirit began to you know kind of settle me down. And so through the translator, the Lord started dropping you know scriptures into me. And there were scriptures on healing. He's Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals. And he said, uh, tell her, and she's choking and she's gasping and she's looking up at me. And uh, I told her, I said, if you can believe all things are possible, God's going to heal you. And and then you know how you do. You're like, uh, I hope that was the Lord. Lord, was that really you that told me to say that? You know, or was this just my flesh, you know, just 
you know, but I had no, I had no, I wasn't trying to make myself popular, being prophetic. I was just mumbling, stumbling, bumbling. So I began to quote just healing scriptures and to build her faith is basically, you know, what I felt like the reason was faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I'm, I'm feeding her these healing scriptures. And at the end of one, I'd say, do you believe that? And she'd check her head. I believe it. I said, I'd quote another one. Do you believe that? She said, yeah, I believe it. Do you know, you, you know, and things are getting desperate, you know, and he's sitting over there looking at me and all of a sudden out of the blue, she spits that, that fishbone up out of her mouth and gasps for breath and sits down. And so that was the end of it. Now, you know, they eat a lot of fish in the Amazon. I mean, they're, they live right on the river, so they eat a lot of fish and they eat these fish whole and they know how to eat a fish without getting choked. So, I mean, this was one of those one-offs, you know, situations, but here God healed her right there on the spot. And it's just basically, there was no plan there. I didn't know this was going to happen. I just kind of just followed the leading of the Holy Spirit working through people, you mm -hmm. know, and God connecting the dots, dotting the I, crossing the T, putting all this together. He orchestrated this. He knew she was going to get choked. He knew, you know, what it was going to take. And he's just looking for somebody to be obedient. Mm -hmm. That's got all, you know, and we've talked about this, Kyle, in, on the mission field with Far Flung T and Ken. It's like God kicks all the props out from under out from under you. And it's just you and God. And if he don't do it, it won't be done, you know. And that desperation causes you to lean on him more than you would otherwise. Because we have a tendency, I, th I think, in domestic missions to just get all this stuff gathered around us. And God's looking at you and saying, all you need is me. All you need is me and my voice and my will will be carried out. You know, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. So, you know, that's that's been one 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 testimony from the mission field. I think as think? as we like as we talk about the prophetic and missions in our lives, really if if sometimes that term gets thrown out as an umbrella uh, like we had a prayer meeting and worship service here just a week and a half ago and at the end cameras off we started praying just one for another and i remember the first person i prayed for and i remembered what i prayed that i because i felt impressed to pray this good. lord settle yeah. all the things that need to be settled Okay. Mm -hmm. So then now a week and a half later, I run into that person in a coffee shop because that's where I'm at constantly. And they say, wow, did you realize? And they begin to tell me the day after that, the next day, this person received a call where their occupation, their job, their money, all this stuff that they've been kind of like stressed over, all of it got settled it, to the point where they were worried about like this, some contracts and some things. And they found out that they are getting, you know, like they're getting so, yeah. I don't know. They're, I don't want to say so much money, but they're getting, they're getting so founded where they're at, mm -hmm. um, that it's going to set up their ministry moving forward, yeah. you know? So they got a pay raise, but not just that they got, they got solidified in that. Okay. So now I was just praying. Yeah. I don't know if you you would call that prophetic, well, but sometimes if there's an umbrella, I think it's anything that's supernatural. Mm -hmm. We tend to just call it prophetic. 
Wow. That's I'm cool. not mad if people get the term wrong. I don't care. I get what they're meaning. So I think I like that. we should give grace when people are saying, oh, that was so prophetic or this was so prophetic and understand what well, they mean. Supernatural. Okay. Sure. That's what I was. I was going <laughs> to. That's a good. Ana- yeah. I was going to bring good. up the, the, the Kyle Phillippe cheat sheet to ministry. And um, so, I mean, like if you're not, if you're, especially if you're just now like walking in that and you're not sure and you don't want to you don't want to mess somebody up and you don't want to get it wrong. I would suggest if you feel like the Lord is is saying that you need healing your body or the Lord is saying that you need peace in your relationship, just as you pray for them, just say, I pray peace over your relationship. Rather than say, the Lord is telling me you need peace in your relationship. And then they're like, that's, Oh. Just, just pray the thing that you're feeling. Now, why do you have to, yeah, append it or right? You don't have to like precursion. give a like yeah. a mega horn and be like, the Lord <laughs> is telling me right now. Because if it's not, they're gonna be like, okay, well, I'm not listening to anything else you're saying because you just said the Lord said this and you were wrong. But if you feel like, just pray the prayer, and if it resonates, if you're right, then they're mm-hmm. they're gonna probably gonna tell you too. They're yeah. gonna be like, man. You prayed that, you prayed that. I don't think you really even realized. And maybe you're like, yeah, I did. But, you know, so if you're not sure and, and you don't want to yeah. put a label on it, you're just, just pray over someone. And if you feel like the Lord's saying, pray this, just throw that in there too. I think like, and I love to run to scripture on, especially when we're talking about gifts of the spirit, we need to define the parameters based on what we can hold. That's good. And the in Corinthians, Paul says we know in part. part. And we prophesy. We prophesy. In, oh, bring this up. Yes. We prophesy in part. Yes. Like this thing is not, we're not finally complete when we begin to operate prophetically. Prof- prophecy is not the completion of a thing. It's, it's in part as if a kid who is learning to talk but can't really speak extremely clearly okay everybody in the room has kids war off camera and his wife's pregnant he'll soon have a kid and we all know sometimes you have a way of learning your kids language especially when they're just learning to talk and like miles he'll blah 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 he'll babble this stuff and jeremy knows exactly what he's saying and i can't understand why because he's speaking in part mm-hmm. he's not got the whole thing he's mm-hmm. not got that now when fullness comes and paul says man when, eventually we'll, we'll know, know even as we're known yeah. yeah eventually we'll know and that's the reason there'll be no preaching in heaven there'll be no prophecy in heaven there'll be no tongues in heaven mm-hmm. why there'll be no, no need we'll for we'll it. have the yes. fullness we'll not, have the fullness i think that gives us permission to operate in the prophetic without this expectation of perfection mm-hmm. prophecy is supposed to be partial yeah part not full this is part of mm-hmm. my my soapbox my anger the thing that almost would make me throw the baby out with the bathwater is when people use prophetic gifts prophetic moments to build platforms. Yes. And I see on YouTube and Facebook, and if you give $600, you can have a semester in my school of the prophets. And it seems like it's more about profiteering. (laughs) Hope you didn't trademark that because I'm going to use that. (laughs) And and I struggle with it. And it's not always like blatant. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes I see it in pulpits where people are using a, a thing that I actually think came from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's like they're operating in the gift and suddenly they realize, oh, the Holy Spirit just did something. I'm going to leverage what God did for my own. That's so good. And it's so frustrating. And if you're watching this and you're frustrated by that too, we are too. <laughs> We're just not willing to throw what God has ordered yeah. away. Yeah. Because some people are getting it off. I think a big part of it is when you're on a trip, I always go back to a trip because that's kind of what we do. But if you're in a conference or a trip and I, I believe that in the prophetic that God speaks to each of us differently because we all learn differently. We all retrieve information differently. So some people see visions. Some people have a direct word. Some people have dreams. Yeah. You know, everybody, I think God's just like, how do I get this information to this person? And so he has to speak to each of us a little bit differently and it looks a little bit way. And some people are like, the Lord just showed me a lake with a purple river. <laughs> and that means this. And then, and then the other person's like, the Lord just said, stop. And it's like, why is he speaking so differently? Well, he's just trying to get through these fleshly vessels, a holy factual information through this, you know, machine of us. And, you know, I always wondered, you know, I would start to question when I was younger, is God really speaking in this moment in, in service? Because all of a sudden this person is speaking in King James when they're, uh, the Lord said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I say. Yeah, you know, and then, the but yeah, then someone I else, the, someone else translates the Lord and they're like, just speaking normal. I'm like, wait, why does God sometimes speak in King James in service in like this, like, and it's like, look, we are flesh and the word is true, but it's coming through flesh and yeah. people are trying to interpret this, this fleshly being is trying to interpret the spiritual creator of the universe is going to get a little, beat up in the, in the travel. Yes. And we have to give grace to that, that we, you know, that God is trying to speak through a person and he, and he speaks differently through our minds and he just wants to get this message out. And, and then like thinking through those bad experiences, the King James usage, the, the, the Christianese, right. The Christianese that we create. Yeah. And that's where I think growing up, hearing all that, easy to become jaded, but the scripture says, do not despise. So that, you know what that tells me? Paul's talking to the church at Thessalonica and they're dealing with it too. Cause man, they're, they're dealing with this, this craziness to the point where they're beginning to despise prophecy. Right. Mm-hmm. And he says, don't despise it. Don't quench the spirit, test everything. Mm-hmm. Well, you're hitting on something, you know, yeah. um, I think if you, if you would be willing to submit your prophetic word, so to speak, to the other prophets that might be among you, I think we would avoid a lot of issues if you'd be willing to do that. You know, the Bible said the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet because I've had people say, I couldn't help it. God made me say that. Well, you know, God mm-hmm. doesn't usurp. He gives, a, he designed yeah. us with a free will. Mm-hmm. We still have a free will, the ability to choose. God doesn't force now he's sovereign. He's he's going to carry out his plan. Okay, uh, but within that sovereignty, there's room 
for us to make decisions and God's not moving us around on a chessboard. You know, he gives us choices mm -hmm. and spirit of prophet subject to the prophet. And then the other thing I think that would help is if we would submit a word and say, what do you think? Like I ought to be willing if I feel like God's saying something to turn around and say, Brian, what do you feel? How do you feel about that? And how do you feel about Kyle or how do you feel about it, Jonathan? You know, just submit that out there, throw it out there. And then the other thing is timing on these words. You know, imagine Isaiah. God touched him in Isaiah chapter six because it changed his whole speech because all he had to say was, whoa, look at the people, you know, going to hell in a handbasket in Isaiah one through five. He had an encounter with God. God changed his speech, touched his lips. Lo, this has touched my lips and now my iniquity is taken away. And he began to prophesy. And here's what he said. And he got labeled a false prophet. He said in, in Isaiah chapter seven, a virgin will conceive and bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of his peace, there'll be no end. Yeah. 750 years later, a word that the people he was around, he, he had already died. The people labeled him that Isaiah, you're a false prophet. You're weird. Nobody, no virgin can conceive and bring forth a son. Sure enough. God invaded the womb of Mary and brought forth the son of the living God 750 years later. So, mm -hmm. you know, we might talk about that timing on this. We're a microwave society. And if you, if I speak a word, do you expect it happen right now? You yeah. see mm -hmm. the pregnancy yeah. test, you know, yep. you're going to yeah. have a baby. Well, tomorrow, you know, I'm going to go to Walgreens and I'm going to get this test and, and I'm going to prove you to see if it's right. When <laughs> timing and context and all that, what? Brian, what do you, what do you, or Kyle, oh, what do sorry. you? Sorry. I was just talking about, about this very thing the other day there's th some words that are just now coming to pass that were four years old and i feel like i mean today it's like at least in i feel like in church american culture if it doesn't happen in six months it was false word yeah how many years did noah build the ark well come on you know come on. you know it's almost a, an entire life on a word waiting and waiting and waiting um and we have to be able to, to write these things down and, and wait it out. And God doesn't really care if it's within six months or not. Um, and you know what I love about the prophetic on the mission field? When you go all over the world, man, it gets, it gets really difficult because first of all, we have to admit if you're going to, especially if you're going to travel far along, you have to admit that culture is ingrained in your religion. Yes. Oh yeah, and out oh, yeah. everything that you believe and how you do things, and I mean, like altar calls. I I, I love altar calls, but altar calls are not like that. Didn't happen in the Bible, right? And and they're great and they're effective, and, and and God's moving, and that's how He moves today. But like, I grew up in altar calls, and there's so many things culturally. That's that's why we've heard the words. That's why people in the church speak, you know, in King James because. Someone else spoke in King James and, and growing up, so much culture is ingrained in us. Yes. But what I love about the prophetic is that it cuts through the culture. And so you, we may not know how, how we've been studying so much. How do we minister in Japan? And there's so many things, this, this, and that. But you know what? If the Lord will just speak about someone's life, you know, I don't have to, it cuts through all of the, it cuts through my culture. It cuts through their culture. I don't have to have all this pre-knowledge. It just cuts straight to the point and tells me something about this person, right? And it just cuts everything out. It's just truth. And I love that because uh, it's just, it just makes it so much easier when the Lord just gives you divine knowledge about something. 
and and then you don't have you know the the culture gets cut out when the Lord just speaks through you. Yes. It it comes where you take the scripture, the living word, scripture. You give the scripture to a man who is like a stockbroker, Wall Street, which that that may not be a thing anymore if you're listening to this. Right. So so a Bitcoin investor, like whatever, you give it to someone who is that, who's Manhattan, you hand them a Bible, it's relevant. You take that same book to the bush of Africa and hand it to them and it's relevant. It's the word of God. It cuts through the culture. And oh, I think so the word of God does that. So does the spirit of prophecy, mm-hmm. the testimony of Jesus. And when we operate in that, like you said, man, it, you, at this point, you're not trying to like work through the fact that in Japan, it's a shame culture versus here in the Western, it's, we, we live in a guilt culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that good. doesn't matter when you, mm. when you have a word of knowledge and you're saying three weeks ago, you looked up to the stars and said, God, and you suddenly know something that only the spirit could have revealed. Mm-hmm. And it's that word of knowledge where, you know, and you're giving that culture doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, something that only God could have shown you yeah. and God's revealing that to bring his people to himself. Um, I would say this, that we should look at, and we should encourage, I said to look at, we should encourage people if you're in a position and you're like, man, I don't know about all this. I don't know about this. There's there's three things I think, and then I want to hear you guys maybe in closing. Three things I think. One, pray about it. Because I don't think a, a person who's not praying is also a person who's not prophesying. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so first thing, pray. Just pray. Sometimes you pray without saying anything, spending time with the Lord, just meditating on the Lord in silence. Be a person to pray and ask the Lord to reveal to you his truth. Second, I would say is prepare. First Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. Study those scriptures where Paul's talking about the gifts of the spirit. Right. Look at look at the Bible. Take notes, highlighter, read those chapters every day for four months. Mm-hmm. Look yes. at First Thessalonians five and First John four, where he says, test the prophets. Mm-hmm. You know, in one scripture, he says, test the prophecy. But man, then in first John four, now we're talking about you got sometimes you got to test those people, mm-hmm. not just the word. You need to test the people. Yes. So the look at those. So first pray, then prepare. Mm-hmm. Then in community, I would say even like practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Practice. You know, um, and I think practice like with your family. Mm-hmm. I think if we should have words from the Holy Spirit, wouldn't wouldn't we want those words to be for the people we love? As men of God, shouldn't we be the prophet of our home? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't the Lord be able to reveal to us about our families, our wives, our kids? Shouldn't we ask the Lord to do that? So practice. You should be around people that uh, it's okay to get it wrong because they're testing the Spirit. I like that. And then that they would be honest with you and be like, eh, didn't really resonate, but I appreciate that you would invest in my life and that you felt that way. And with the scriptures too, I would expand it out and just say all the scriptures, because I'm talking to two people who know the scriptures a lot better than I do. If you're trying to test whether the Lord's speaking to you and you have a word, if it contradicts scripture, Oh, that's good. Then you missed it. Mm -hmm. Right. He's not going to give you a word that contradicts scripture. So knowing the scriptures really well helps confirm that you're speaking truth. 
Gary? Yeah, you know, I think what would help is, you know, we're commanded. You got two things. You got the spirit of God and you got the word of God. We're commanded in Colossians 3.16 to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Speaking, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms, singing, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. The parallel scripture, the companion scripture, if you will, is Ephesians 5, 18, 19. Don't be drunk with wine wherein it is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Mm-hmm. And then the end result, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. So we're commanded to be full of, full of it, so to speak. <laughs> Full of the word and full of the spirit and then just trust the greater one on the inside of you. Um, you know, this is hilarious. I can't help it. We've had this. And for those of you out there, I think this may <laughs> those be a that are watching on YouTube looking at it. He's holding a, 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 um, a ceramic oh. hippo. Those that are listening and not watching, he's holding a ceramic hippo we have here. Yes. And, you know, what I would say is, uh, you know, as I looked at this, I thought of what uh, God spoke to Hannah. Uh God said, I'm going to enlarge your mouth, you know, above your enemies. And we know three of the gifts of the spirit had to do with the mouth, uh, gift of prophecy, tongues, tongues and interpretation. And just be confident in the one that's in you, uh, that he will speak through you, to you and through you. And he will enlarge your mouth above your enemies, the world, the flesh and the devil. We know Hannah, uh, she was barren and she had Samuel. And the Bible said that Samuel's words were so powerful that when he would prophesy or speak, not one of his words hit the ground that did not come to pass. And that's powerful. So I'd just like to encourage those that are listening, you know, trust the one in them and don't worry about it. And we've all missed it. I'll lay, uh, lift my hand up mm-hmm. uh, and be one of those that would say I've missed it before. But you know what? You got to get up and you got to move forward. Uh, kingdom is in advancing. God needs every part of the body to do their part. Uh, we're a many membered body joined and jointed by that, whichever joint supplies and there's power in community and power, uh, you know, to, to vet things, uh, among people that you trust. And, you know, I, I think we need people to be more aggressive and more bold in this hour, mm-hmm. you know, especially with prophetic evangelism, trust the one in you, the pe- yeah. there's people lost down at Walgreens the people lost at uh, Walmart, people lost at Target. Walk up. If God puts something on you, just trust it and, and speak what God gives you. And then God will take care of the rest of it. Yeah. Um, I think like the, the scripture, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, when it talks about prophecy, says it will encourage, it will exhort, and it will comfort. Mm-hmm. Right. It will, yeah. it will do those things. So. Thanks so much for listening in to today's episode. We hope that it has blessed you and encouraged you in some way. You know, we get to travel all around the world taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to some of the most remote and extreme places on the planet. And as we travel, we get to see God move in some powerful and unprecedented ways. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in moments where we ask Lord, what will we do? Where will we go? And you know, it never fails. He is always working on our behalf, guiding and leading us. We are so passionate about missions and our hope and prayer is that as you listen, that you are challenged and encouraged and we hope that you as well become passionate about taking the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever you go. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode, which is part one of Operating in the Prophetic. Before you go, 
we want to ask for your help with a couple of things. The first thing is go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And the second thing is go ahead and share this podcast with all of the people that you see, everyone that you run into. Let them know I am listening to this incredible, amazing podcast about missions. You've got to listen to it. you got to listen to all the stories. Well, go ahead and do that. And we will see you on the next episode, which is part two of Operating in the Prophetic. We hope you have a blessed day. See you on the next one.